0: You're listening to the Hidden Battles Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by HiddenBattlesFoundation.org. In partnership with Swim with the Mission, you can find them on Swim.org on the internet. Welcome to
1: the Battlecast.
2: What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, It's Chris and Mike, and we have a special guest in the studio tonight. Um, Scott is on vacation, so again, while the boss is away, the children will play. Uh, We'll just start off with some quick numbers. Again, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 988 is that three-digit dialing code for that. It's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And it's available in multiple different languages. If you're in a media crisis, you can dial nine one one.
3: So we got our or my former army team leader here uh, from Pakistan, Uzbekistan, and uh, I mean, don't attack him. Even though he was prior Air Force with me, he was with the Army, and now he used to be Sergeant Schnabba, but now his name is Doctor Schnabba. John, how you doing?
0: Doing pretty good, Mike. Thanks for having me on the show.
3: No problem. So, uh, so like I said, I know, I know you're a doctor now. We already talked about how far you came and awesome stuff. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about, about you know, your journey there, right? I know you worked at Pittsfield PD, and now what do you do? Uh, now I'm working at a place called Alternative
0: Living Centers, and what we do is we do addiction recovery, alcoholism recovery. Um, it's in Pittsfield and North Adams. We have campuses there, and we serve about 150 clients. I'm the clinical supervisor of that facility, so I oversee all the staff, uh, whether it be clinical, case management, or facilities, um, so they can help the clients out.
3: Let yeah, me so what made you go from military police in the military to your, your avenue that you're at now? Right? Because, yeah. like you say, mental health with the police and, that, and now where you are, with the addiction center? What, yeah. what made that happen? I... Uh, I grew up in a
0: law enforcement family. Father, grandfather, both cops. About sixty years of law enforcement between them. Um, so I was on that path right out of high school. Uh, joined the Air Force. Did about four years in the security forces with them. Um, got out and then joined the National Guard. And there we met and went off to Afghanistan and Pakistan, Uzbekistan. I got back from there and I looked around for things to do. I didn't really know what I was going to do when I got home. Mm-hmm. So I wound up going to UMass Amherst, and at the time it was, you know, we got home early. It was 2003 and we were already back. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't a, lot, a whole lot of uh, services on campuses at that time, so I helped develop a, a Veterans uh, and Service Members Association at UMass Amherst. Uh, we were one of the first veterans organizations on a college campus and after 9-11 um, to help serve veterans and to you know, really make sure that they were connected with the services that they need. Excuse me. And with that, uh, I kind of found my way into social work, actually. Okay. Sorry about that. So I found my way to social work at that point, And I got into Springfield College for my master's in social work. Yeah. And then that led to about 10 years in the field. And then I started to, for my doctorate program at USC. And I wrapped that up last year.
3: Nice. I, so, I mean, I, there's so much I want to ask you, first of all. I definitely want to reminisce, but we can't do that on this radio show, maybe a little bit. But uh, I want to talk to you, start off with uh, the Pittsfield PD. Because yeah. uh, a lot of us, uh, we have a clinician, uh, Karen. Mm-hmm. I told you, Burlington uh, PD. She's awesome. Very knowledgeable. She's great. Uh, we have another clinician uh, that, that we talk to a lot uh, with uh, uh, responders together in New Hampshire, Amy, up, up north. And, and, and they both do great work, uh, but a lot of us didn't know, no offense to Western Mass., we didn't know that you that this was going on in Pittsfield. And you were doing this, not now, but you were doing this a few years ago. You must have been one of the first ones in the area.
0: Yeah, I was doing it in 2018. We had a, a guy, Richard Collins, had started it actually in Pittsfield a few years even before that. Um, so we have been working with co-responder programs over in Berkshire County for six, seven years at this point. Um, it's become... A, a program that's in a stage of rebuilding at this point. Um, Pittsfield, I know, is looking into bringing on more clinicians for themselves. But the program itself was fascinating. Uh, Being able to connect with law enforcement, going out into the field with law enforcement, engage with the community at a level that hadn't been able to be uh, be broached before. you know that we were there to assist the law enforcement, not only with the problems in the communities, but also with themselves. If they had questions, um, if they were going through something at the time, we were there and we were available for them.
3: Now, during that work, did you find uh, the officers out in Pittsfield um, actually would come to you with, uh, for help or to talk or, yeah?
0: Yeah, quite often they would. Um, and it's about the relationship you have with the officers. Uh, most people, you know, there's a whole culture to policing. And if you aren't in the culture, lots of times it's very difficult to get across that line. Um, I was lucky enough to have known you, Mike.
3: Don't steal my thunder, John. My (laughs) next question, what made it that you were so relatable?
0: Well, a lot of the officers in Pittsfield,
3: they actually had been trained by you. What?
0: Yes, in the National Guard Military Police Unit.
3: So they're elite?
0: Yep, very elite. Very elite. Very knowledgeable. Very extremely knowledgeable. Very uh, special set of skills, I I would say, that that Mike was able to, to drill into that. Funny
2: and perky like him?
0: Very, very. Good,
3: good, good. Yep. I'm, I'm glad.
1: Look,
0: Great
3: personality. Look at that Mike, no, you no, rubbed off on of them. <laughs> but uh but yo, so so but your your background, your military background uh, allowed kind of that brotherhood, right? Yeah,
0: I felt it. Um, And I know several of the officers, we talked, you know, we talked about our our experiences in the National Guard, deployments, um, relationships with our leaders and how that kind of plays out in the work now, uh, whether it be in the communities or, you know, the work that I do. Um, So, yeah, those relationships were were vital to to the program itself.
3: That's excellent. And and how long were you there for in Pittsfield?
0: I was there for about six months, Mm -hmm. working in the field with them.
3: Were you the first one at that department?
0: Uh, Second. Richard Collins was the first.
3: Okay. Do do, uh, Any other departments in that area, way out there, uh, have have this, the uh, co-responder?
0: We have some help. The law enforcement does from the Brain Center, uh, which is one of the organizations out there that holds the crisis contract for our county. Uh, But there's nothing, in fact, the co-responder program for Pittsfield itself has been... uh, dismantled at this point and they're trying to rebuild it so i don't even believe there's a an actual full co-responder program in the berkshires right now
2: now why, why exactly did pittsfield end up uh kind of getting rid of the program do you know do you know why or can you not say or
0: well there was uh there was a shooting last year that involved a young man, 21 years old, uh, and the co-responder had left the her, her um, assigned hours about 30 minutes earlier. They had cut overtime for the program. They, being the organization, the company that w- had the contract for the co-responder program, a- after this death, the co-responder program, a contract, was kind of went away for that organization. Gotcha. Um, in addition to that, the chief of police, uh, resigned from their board of directors also. So there was some question about the situation. Right. Do you think it's going to come back? The co-responder program is definitely
3: coming back. So you, you, that's a, uh, you believe in that program, right? Cause I mean, we, I think we do. I know I do.
0: I absolutely believe in the co-responder program.
3: From what you tell me and what Karen tells me, uh, yeah, I, I think 100% it, it's needed. It makes total sense.
0: It's, it's vital for our communities mm-hmm. and for the interactions with law enforcement. We know that law enforcement aren't trained to necessarily interact with somebody who's severely mentally ill. Yeah. They don't present and they don't approach you like, like a normal person. I, I mean that in the sense of everyone else. Um, but people don't approach law enforcement like somebody with mental illness does they don't have necessarily the fear because a lot of them are traumatized at the time they're approaching them. So being in a fight or flight or freeze kind of mentality, they come at law enforcement pretty much like law enforcement comes at them. Uh-huh. And then we get those situations where it's like a rock hitting a rock. You know, it, force meets with force. Yeah. And it's those situations where co-responders may be able to provide something else. maybe pr- able to provide that, that level of discussion with that individual that's suffering from the mental illness and we can provide a safe environment both for the officer and for the individual
3: you know like i like i taught my soldiers like you just said and like i taught my uh, my ice officers if we don't have to use force let's let's not use force right and these aren't necessarily bad people there's something there's something wrong right yeah, who knows what's going through the head but they, so it's great to have you there to kind of talk them down where me maybe i'll pull out a baton or all where I don't need to, right? Which saves lawsuits, mm-hmm. which, <laughs> which means I get to keep my house. And, and you know, and, and here you are coming in and, and saying the right things and doing the right things. We have to calm it down and you know, get the person in custody, get the help that he needs, he or she needs, right? Absolutely. Awesome. Now, when you left Pittsfield, you went uh, directly to where you are now?
0: Uh, I worked with uh, another organization called Pittsfield Community Connection for a while. And what we did was work with gang youth in the city. Uh, That was really interesting work. Um, We were able to really connect with a lot of the youth and provide them with opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise um, have. And we worked directly with law enforcement also. We were able to meet with them and talk to them about the youth and about what the youth had been experiencing in the community so that law enforcement could kind of target these areas and target the situations that were going on for the youth and help the community in that way
3: also. Is there a big gang problem out there in Pittsfield? There actually is. Because, you know, past Worcester, that's Western Mass. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're saying there's gangs out there in
0: really? Yeah, it's out in, like, New York almost. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, no, we uh, it it tends to be this point of, um, you know, it's right outside of Albany. It's three hours from New York City and three hours from Boston. It's this point where everybody kind of comes together. Uh, We also get a lot of members from the Springfield area that come out there to hang out. After they catch some charges or something, and then they're jump back to Springfield when things kind of clear up for them. So we get a lot of that transitional um, type of people.
3: That's great. Uh, I have probably 100 more questions, but right now I think we're going to stop.
0: This portion of the broadcast was brought to you by John Credit Union. John. Credit Union has been helping members in the community for over 100 years. Credit Union's mission is people help the people. And Credit Union, they support that mission by educating and guiding their members to make smart financial choices. Call them at 978 452 5001. Visit them online, jbcu.org, to learn more about how Gendarme Credit Union
3: can help you.
2: Swim with a Mission is proud to support Hidden Battles Radio. Hi, I'm Phil Taub. My wife Julie and I started Swim with a Mission to support our veterans. Our freedom is not free and it comes at a heavy price. There are too many veterans in our community struggling in silence. Please check us out at SWAM.org, S-W-A-M.org. And if you know a veteran that is struggling, I hope you will call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988 and PUSH1. And we are back on 980 WCAP. Uh, if you're listening to us on the radio, you can also listen to us online at 980wcap.com. And we do have a guest
1: on the phone.
3: Karen, Hello? Can you there? Yep,
1: can you, hear, can you hear me?
3: I I can hear you.
1: Okay. Hey, John. Um, this is Karen. Um had a call in. I am a fellow social worker, fellow clinician, and also a fellow co-responder. Um, been embedded inside a PD for since 2018. Um, so I think we have a some connection there, some familiar work experiences. Um, I just wanted to comment. I think everything you said is just spot on, just about the the importance of building the relationship with the officers. Um, to being part of the culture, and so I'm just curious because I, I I know what's going on with me and my relationships in my PD. Um, did you feel that as the years went by that more officers were coming to you in a sort of peer support capacity, even though you were not a fellow officer?
0: Yes, they did. Um, yeah. And I know that over the years, the very last co-responder they did have, Ariel uh, Rodriguez. They were very involved with, going, with her, going to her and asking her questions and, and receiving a lot of help from her. She really, yeah. really was integral um, in a lot of the situations that the officers saw and helping them maintain their performance letter, level and uh, yeah. their ability to engage in the job.
1: Yeah, yeah, I see that too. It's, it's a really interesting relationship. You come in as you know, as a civilian, so you know I definitely for me, I can say I came in with that outside feeling. You know, there's already this brotherhood and sisterhood in here, and here I'm coming in as a civilian. Mm-hmm. But as the months and years went by, you know the time I spent in the cruiser was just that's where the magic happened. That's where you know they, you know officers are talking about their stress at home, their marital stress, or financial stress, and I feel that that's where the trust really started building. And then as the years went by, now it's they're coming to me for just not just questions about resources, but for just um, just some personal stuff as well. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to share that, and 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 I totally understand how that happens. And um, yeah, it was good to hear too what's going on out in the western part of the state, because I was not aware um, of the co-responder programs out in the Berkshire area.
3: Yeah, John's smiling, so I think he can, I think he could relate. I think uh, <laughs> you're kind of bringing up some memories for him. So I wanted to ask actually you both, since I got you both here, is, uh. These officers coming to you, which, thank God they are, right, talk to somebody. I want to know, does that change the dynamic when you're out on the street with them?
1: No. For me, I think, I think it helps. I think that the trust and the rapport is just building and building, and it's a working relationship, trust, too. You know, we're going on calls together. We're arriving at the same time. So we, you, you build that partnership just as colleagues, you know, as you're working together. And then that, that fuels also, the, you know, what goes on outside of the calls. And that fuels what goes on just talking in the station, talking in the cruiser. And it builds such a level of comfort that it's some of these officers would never, ever go pick up that phone to call a clinician or to make an appointment, to, you know, for a therapy appointment. But having somebody right there in the building who they've developed a trust with and now they've just got something going on at home you know or just some some added life stress someone is right there that i've had officers pull me after roll call and go you got a couple of seconds sure we go up my office and whatever it is they just want to talk about it and they're so appreciative they thank me and i love it i i always have a smile on my face because i feel like i'm helping them and i don't think these guys would have reached out otherwise um so that's my experience I, i'm curious if john had the same same yeah thing.
3: john same
0: yeah Somewhat, you know, like I had said, I had the 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 bridge of, of Mike Peterson there uh, to help me with the situation, you know, getting into the culture, plus just the knowledge of, of my prior uh, security forces and the Air Force, and military police. You know, it kind of gave me a little more of an in, I think, than a regular civilian would have. But I also right. really recognize that being out in the field and spending time with them as just a clinician um, without the military background. With this population, with law enforcement, first responders, you really have to kind of cross the Rubicon with them. You have to be able to get into the fire with them and let them know that you're somebody to be trusted. Because that's that's life or death out there when we're going into the streets. And we need to know that the person next to us is always going to have our back. They're always going to be able to spot something. They're going to be able to do something in any situation so that we both stay alive. And that's the purpose of this. This is getting home alive for everybody. Yep. You know, so those types of relationships, they're really built on that power of trust. And it's, it's so great to hear that you had that same experience and you really were able to build that. And now you have this whole, uh, let's just say, a following um, yeah. that just, you know, really gained wealth from your, your help. And that's awesome.
1: Yeah, and also connecting them to the right resources if they need something more and further. And again, it's being, like you said, in the culture, you know, just understood. They feel now, you know, I understand the culture because I'm in it with them. And I think it does add an element that an outside clinician just, just couldn't do just by, just because they're, you know, could be a great clinician, but they're not in it. And I, and I really think I couldn't do the work I do, you know, before I started working there. I wouldn't be able to understand the culture. It's, you can't just read about it, you know, you have to actually be embedded in it. so just wanted to call in and uh, say hey, and uh, you know, I'm just feeling the connection because we do such similar work, and um, I'll let you get back to your interview.
3: Nope, 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 don't don't hang up yet because nope. since you called oh. in, <laughs> I, I need to put you to work. And I have a question actually for uh, both of you, sure. and I want to get uh, – I know you both did uh, – or Karen, you're still doing the same job. John, I know you did the same job. But t- the question of both of you, John, you went in there from your military veteran, right, M- MP, Security Forces background – into uh, the Pittsfield PD doing the same job that Karen's doing. Now, Karen, you you did it as a civilian. And so what I want to ask both of you, and John, you go first, how long did it take for you to build their trust where they started actually confiding in you and actually utilizing you in the the clinician aspect? Weeks. Weeks?
0: Weeks. Um, It was all about just connecting with the people that here we go again mm-hmm. uh, Mike Peterson knew Nailed it. Um, and trained you know and and once we started talking on that level then the brotherhood was there um, and we could just have regular conversations
3: that's great uh-huh. so now so that's obviously a different point of view and, and different experience but so Karen you're doing the job now and and how long did it take for you when you arrived in Burlington to kind of mm-hmm. get them to open up and you know start sharing
1: yeah, similar. I would say a couple months. And one thing that I did that I thought actually helped get things rolling is, I you know, I was warned about the, the you know, the law enforcement culture that trust is going to be paramount. That's going to be the biggest thing. Um So I can do a great job as a clinician and my role in the community and assisting people, but to get in with the officers was trust. So I made a point every single day just to walk around the station, pop down, pop down a dispatch, you know, just say, you know, try to get them between calls. Just to, I didn't want to be stuck in an office in the corner. So I think those You know, a couple times a day, just walking around, you know, hey, how's it going? That just started it kind of slowly, so I made a point to do that, which actually helped. So when I had to hop in a cruiser, I wasn't with a stranger, and I didn't want them to feel like they were with a stranger. And it just just evolved from that. It just kind of just kept building. And as new officers come in, I always make a point to have them sit down with me, not because, you know, not in a clinical way, just... This is my role in the department. This is what I do. We're going to be going on calls together. Just want to learn a little bit about you. I want to tell you about me. That helped tremendously, too. So this, this time, you know, I've got the new officers a little comfortable with me before I even end up in the cruiser with them.
3: I love it. I love it. It makes so much sense, especially the same, same as the military culture, right? John, when we got back from uh, Pakistan, Afghanistan, we, uh, the military clinicians always want to you know, talk to you about problems. Zip, right? We don't say anything. Meanwhile, John, me, John, and, and our soldiers We'll, we'll swap stories left and right, right, because of that same thing. It's that kind of bond, which is what you're doing, Karen, when you're going out there with, in the field with, the, with those officers. So I hope, I hope every clinician is doing what you're doing. I assume that not everyone is, but I hope everyone will be as proactive as you and as, and as John are. That, that's just excellent work. It goes a long way, as, as you yeah. just stated, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely.
3: Karen, all right, you're off duty. I appreciate you. Yep. It's great okay. to talk to you, Karen.
2: Karen, right, thanks nice for calling you, in. God, we'll care. get you. Uh, we'll get you on the show again here soon.
1: Yep. Okay. Thanks. Take care, guys. Have a good
3: thanks. night. Bye bye. Uh, John, we were t- before we. I uh, were about to go to uh, um, another song, but before we do that, we were talking about the your gang work that you were doing with yeah. the PD. Yeah. And at what point way out there in in Western Mass, which it can't be different, right? Because gangs are everywhere, yep. even out in Western Mass apparently. So out there, what was the typical? kind of scenario with these kids, kids, right, mm-hmm. that were in the gangs? Yeah, for the main I mean, part. how young are we
0: talking? Uh I think the earliest we ran into was maybe eight. eight. Eight? to ten. Eight? Eight, yep. He was in uh elementary school. He had a little crew for himself. They were all flying crip. Um, Chris, you said eight. <laughs> eight. <laughs> I'm
2: still trying to, like, wrap my head around that number.
3: The Duke is seven. <laughs> Craigie's eight, isn't he? They were threatening Craig,
2: teachers. Craigie is going... <laughs> If he's not 80, he's going to be 8.
3: Yeah. So, like, my kid, the Duke, he's 7, right? Yep. He's pretty much Sergeant Major of uh, second grade in Abnasset. And uh, so that's, like, you're talking yeah. about... Really? Yeah. What's What's going on out there in it's, Pittsfield? Uh,
0: a lot of parents have gang ties. Back in the late 90s, we got a whole surge of yeah. people when the crack epidemic hit. Um, so it was... Pittsfield was known to be good money, fast drugs. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of the, uh, the older people that came up during the late 90s, they're still functioning as members. And just carry, carry it down That's through the family, right? Right down through the family.
3: And so how, So, what was your role in dealing with these 8, 10, 16-year-olds? I mean, how, yeah. how,
0: like, how did you approach that? Uh, a lot of times we worked in coordination with the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd get names from teachers. we get names from any of the other services, some of the other hospitals of any youth that needed this kind of help. Law enforcement also, Pittsfield PD. Uh, provided names of kids that maybe they ran into in the street, but they knew that they needed help, and they were still somebody that you know we could reach out to. So we went out in the hit, <coughs> excuse me, we went out in the streets and just recruited. Um, you know, any kids that we knew that were out there doing something that they shouldn't be doing, we'd go to them. We'd walk right up on the streets and talk to them. Um, and have them come in we provide mentoring we provide all the same things that you know anybody would really need to kind of prosper the job the education Mm -hmm. the training if they needed mental health care that was there Um, so we tried to give them every opportunity to not be in the streets
3: that is amazingly proactive and awesome and I have a lot more questions as you can imagine and when we get when we come back we're about to play another song I'm going to ask about how receptive they were to this and and just and and how did they take it and that's great stuff uh, Chris, we got And songs? again,
2: the uh, Milltown Plumbing, Heating, Air Conditioning, Electric Text Line is open, 978-454-4980. We encourage you to either call in or shoot us a text, uh, ask some questions. We want this to be a very interactive radio, and we'll be right back after this song. All right, and we're back on 980 WCAP. Again, the Milltown Plumbing, Heating, Air Conditioning, Electric Text Line is open, 978-454-4980. And hey, you know, in typical Hidden Battles fashion, we do have to pay the bills for the, this radio show. So uh, we have a new sponsor and partner with us um, for this year, but he's been with us for the past seven. Mark Chandonet Plumbing and Heating, based out of Dracut. Uh Mark Chandonet Plumbing and Heating is a full-service plumbing company that is equipped to perform timely, high-quality services for your residential and commercial general repair needs. His competitive rates and quick response times allow them to assist you with an extensive variety of services in the Chelmsford, Bedford, Burlington, Concord, and Lexington areas. So you can check them out at chandonetplumbing.com. Chandonet is C-H-A-N-D-O-N-N-E-T plumbing.com. And then uh, Mindy's Mission is uh, supporting Hidden Battles Radio and Hidden Battles this year. They are a private foundation of volunteers focusing on the needs of our local veterans. Today more than ever our veterans need our gratitude, love and support. Mindy's Mission's mission is to raise awareness and bridge the gap between our community and those in need. They focus our efforts on homelessness, the veterans hospital, overseas care packages, service animals and keeping our veterans in the forefront. All money raised goes directly back into the community. So you can check out and learn more about Mindy's mission at Mindy's, M-I-N-D-Y-S, mission.org. Then, of course, Jandar Credit Union, uh, based right here in the city of Lowell. Check them out at JDCU.org. Plan perfectly wedding and events. Leslie and her team go above and beyond, uh, doing flawless event planning in the New England area. Uh, They're named one of the top five amazing day of wedding planners by Boston Magazine. And you can connect with them online at plannedperfectly.net. I also just want to give a huge shout out to EMS Angels out of Bucks County, Pennsylvania. They did a huge motorcycle ride and fundraiser for us uh, not too long ago. And uh, just wanted to give them a huge shout out. And speaking of motorcycle runs, Mike, I believe you just had one.
3: It's funny you said that. So I uh, I just had a motorcycle run for the Specialist Matthew Pellini Memorial Fund. It was uh, this past Saturday. Uh, great event. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Everyone was worried about the rain, but typical Matthew fashion, he uh, held off the rain, and uh, it was a good event. We had a a lot of participation. We raised some good money. Um, it's all going to go. We actually already today I actually donated some money to help a uh, soldier that was she's really down to the dumps, and, and so we you know I cut her a, a check today. And so it's just, it just comes out of nowhere. You don't know when it's going to happen. So it's nice that we have the support to to be able to provide that kind of relief, right? Because, you know, this poor young soldier was uh, really struggling. But uh, she's uh, she's awesome. She has a plan to move forward. So And we're going to keep checking up on her to make sure she's squared away. But, yeah, the motorcycle run was great. I have a 5K coming up for the Pliny Fund in Drake It on October 1st. It's a 5K rocker run. So uh, look that up. And we need more participation for that. And we need more of our sponsors for that. But... That's uh we have a, a core group of people that's uh, providing a lot of, a lot of support, and it's awesome, and obviously Hidden battles will probably be there I hope i uh,
2: I believe, so. I, believe I assume uh, so I I would say I would assume uh, very high yes, very high probability
3: and uh, I, and we are going to go back to John for two seconds, but before I forget, you mentioned Mindy's mission I did Mindy's mission uh, was a huge sponsor for the Pliny fund, and so we, what we did is we made a flag. A, we had it ordered, a big uh, Mindy's Mission flag, and I flew, flew it on the back of my truck in front of uh, all the motorcycles. This is my first time ever going on the route. 13 years I've been doing this motorcycle run for Matthew, and uh, here we are going on the route and almost done with it. Me and uh, Ellen was with me. The fl- Don't ever use aluminum flagpoles when you're doing that, by the way. Oh so no! Start- <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? Oh no! But luckily we pulled over just in time. And uh, again, typical Matthew fashion, playing pranks is a uh, Mindy's Mission flag. Started to come. All right, so take it down. Then we keep driving. The Pliny flag started coming, and so it's just. But whatever, we made it through uh, pretty much the whole course. And I told everyone about Mindy's mission. I told everyone about hidden battles, and and, and uh, it was it's great stuff, man. It's important that these organizations, like Scott, always says it's important that we all support each other. We're not fighting for the doll. We have to so you know, make sure the mission happens, whether it's through me, hidden battles, or Mindy's mission. Yeah, ab- you name it.
2: Absolutely. And you know, the same with responder strong uh, NH. I know Amy's listening. Um, you know, we, yeah, we all have similar missions, but we all also have the same mission at the same time. And if we can help one person um, and get through to one person, then we've done our our, our job. So with Mindy's mission, uh, they do a lot of monetary support and and uh, helping out veterans in multiple different other ways. With the Polini Fund, you have your uh, heat, home heating uh, mm-hmm. initiative that you do. You you know take care of car rentals. You take care of housing uh, costs for some uh, veterans. And then Hidden Battles, we do all the activity-driven programs, and we do peer support. Um, like we have a peer support group on Tuesday nights that meet right here in Lowell at 7 p.m. right at the uh, back of the YMCA. So, I mean, we all, you know, work together and try to help each other out. Um, you know, it's not like we're a huge company coming in and buying out every small organization. We, we all work together, and we all help out one another.
3: Yeah, what's great about Hidden Battles is everyone involved in Hidden Battles uses their professional background to work at Hidden Battles and, and help people. And obviously, none of us get paid to do it, right, until Scott changes his mind and starts counting checks. But, um, but you know, but it's just great work that, that's being done in those peer support groups, the peer support thing is go, goes on with the same ideology that you were talking about, John, where you build that camaraderie with those officers so quick because of your military background, right? Because they, they trusted you. Well, that's the same idea as peer support, right? They, we, they, we've been Absolutely. through the same stuff. They're going to confide in us more. But now, however, you being a clinician have way more training than I do as a peer support member. But, again, it's the same ideology where you've been through the same stuff. I'm going to confide in you more than I am... Um, you know, they, you know, there's some old guy around the corner that just has the same degrees as you, but not the experience. <laughs> Does that makes sense what I'm saying? Oh, totally. I see it all the time. Yeah. I mean,
0: whether I'm working with the VA and veterans or I'm working with people in the streets, you know, you, you, you see it.
3: See, this is where I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but I do it now. This is my last thing. And then we're going to go back to the gangs and the rest of the stuff. With the peer support, that's, so that's huge here, right, in, in this area. And mm-hmm. that's huge up in New Hampshire, actually, probably even more so. They're, they're I think, probably beyond us in Massachusetts. How is it out in that, in that area? I keep wanting to say in that AOR, that area. <laughs>
0: Over in the Berkshires, <laughs> however you guys say it. Um, it. It's really prevalent. Peer support is. Uh, that started about five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. We started bringing in all kinds of peer support. There's so many people out there with real-world experience that just brings so much to the table. You know, I can, I can go on and on, with, you know, higher and higher in an education level. That doesn't mean I know anything about what's really going on. Uh, being somebody that's there, that's gone through it, that can really talk about what's happening to the individual, that really opens a lot of doors for people. It gives them the opportunity to say, "Yeah, you know, I—that's I, exactly how I feel about that," or, "Or yeah, that's the way that makes me think." And if you can relate to that, that opens up even more doors, and then you can have real, real honest conversations with people, which
3: starts all of our healing. Yep. All right, man. That's that's so excellent. So that's that's my rabbit hole. Let's get back on track, right? So um, we we left off. We were talking about the gangs, and yeah. so I mean, you, you're telling me there's eight year old gang members out there, which I, I mean, I guess I did know because I saw the documentaries, but you just, you really don't think about that, right? You think about no. the gangs, but you know, so I, I really want to know about the eight year old, the ten year old, the sixteen, the eighteen year old, and whoever. How receptive were they by you and the and the, the the staff out there being so proactive and going out in the street and and hey, let me talk to you.
0: Yeah, well. It took on the same philosophy as I do with the co-responder program. Uh, I went out there and met them where they were at. I didn't go out there as someone who was telling them what to do or they were going to get in trouble or anything like that. I met them on the street, uh, wearing normal street clothes. I'm pretty tattooed, so I don't look like somebody that's going to come out, you know, and uh, maybe harass them or something like that. Uh, I try to really be at their level. Uh, we also had several people that were working for us that were former gang members, and that really broke the ice. We were able to walk right up to people or get in different places where we wouldn't have normally been able to go. Uh, so that was really helpful. You kind know. of
3: go back down that rabbit hole. These former gang members had that, right? Yeah. Kind of that that, that, that gang peer support thing going on because yep. they, they can relate, and that does go a long way, though, in every aspect of it. So what was the initial, and I imagine... Tell me if I'm wrong, because you're the doctor here. I imagine it was uh, kind of the same common reaction at first, when you were first approached. Mm-hmm. It's, especially Probably, you know, me. You not get out of my face? What, I mean, what was it? Well,
0: especially me. I'm, you know, a white guy that, even though I have tattoos and everything, I still kind of have this this cop feel about me at times. Um, it just comes with the, the background. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, I had kids that were just like, who are you? Get the fuck away from me. No beep. Oh. Sorry jeez man
3: we just scott you just got us fired
0: uh oh (laughs) oh well sorry guys (laughs) but yeah you know you get the rejection from them but after a while they realize the same thing it's trust once you built the trust with them then you could help change the direction of their life you could offer them opportunities in in different options to where they were at and where they were going so it was all about building the trust just like anything we do yep we're trying to help people
3: so it's just, it's just, I still get, can't get over the, the whole eight-year-old gang member thing, but but okay. Um, you also, now you do addiction. Yes. And I guess, did you see, do you see the same clients from your gang days and your, your co-respondent days to now? The same yeah. Yeah. participants? It's the same, you know, it's the same population. It, it's, it's still uh, a family show, so watch your mouth.
0: <laughs> okay. Sorry, Mike. Um yeah, it's the same population. You know, they, they come from the street, it's, it's, it's where they are at. Um, it's the same people that are addicted that law enforcement works with. They're homeless, law enforcement works with them. It's, it's, it's all, you know, when you get into a community the size of Pittsfield, you see everybody. It's yeah. not that large. So
3: you definitely see the same people coming around and around and around. In your, because of your background with the uh, with the addiction and, and just your whole, you know your whole mental health knowledge, do you see a lot of um, veterans and first responders with with kind of with, with addiction? Yeah, yeah. And, and Obviously, I'm not asking in what department, but but
0: you do you see a lot of that? You think I do. Right now, I think we've got probably half a dozen veterans um, in our program as it is, along with uh, at least one EMT. So, and that's right now. Um, and we have turnover every few weeks and this is this is pretty common to see veterans specifically
3: and what 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 kind of what what causes that i mean is it like we like we were discussing before this show i you know, i've uh, when i used to feed the homeless here in lowell we, a lot of veterans are they got hurt overseas and now they, they got they went to Walter Reed or you name the place and mm. va's like okay you're cured you're done uh, did you find that was a kind of common occurrence? Because uh, if you don't wean them off, what are they? What happens? Yeah.
0: Well, when most people are injured, especially with the VA or in the civilian population, yeah. the the popular drug was oxys, oxycontin. Mm. So if you prescribed those, then all of a sudden your doctor drops you from them. This is a very common story. There's, there's, there's movies made about it nowadays. Um, then you start looking for the same pills in the streets because that's a very, very difficult mm-hmm. habit to break. Uh, it's 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 almost impossible for a lot of people. So once you start going out to the streets and buying these, they I know in the past they were a dollar a milligram. So if you need an 80-oxy, then you're paying 80 bucks a pop on the streets, which is not something that somebody can continue to do over time, mm-hmm. uh, especially if they're laid up or they're unemployed now because of an injury. So then you see them starting to turn to heroin, um, which nowadays is pretty much completely fentanyl Um, we're finding it out in berkshire county to be about 98 percent fentanyl and then a lot of other stuff and it varies what the other stuff is Um, so we're seeing a lot of overdoses yeah Um, a lot of our population to include the veterans that come some of them have overdosed and died several times Um, and they're still out there because they don't find the support they've got some pretty severe trauma when they come to us,
3: this show's not long enough. I I, I got a couple more questions, man. So uh, again, our hidden battles obviously is about first responders and veterans, and, and it's it's not. But I love hearing this story too. Just everything, everything you're saying. But with the with the first responders, I did ask you a couple minutes ago. You see a lot of first responders with addiction, you know, with you know alcoholism, mm-hmm. and in uh, veterans also with the first responders because they are still on the job, right? I assume. Do you find that they're actually out there getting help, and uh, do you see? Did you see a change in the past couple of years where more and more are getting help? Because that's obviously, yeah, st- yeah. as we always say on the show, stigma is a big deal. Absolutely. But uh, do you see it changing? I do. You got a better view than than we do,
0: I think. I, I definitely see a change, uh, and it's coming as the, the older generations kind of uh, go and, and leave the workplace and find other things to do. The newer generations are really, really grabbing hold of having mental health nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that's foreign. We recognize it. It's not just that crazy guy on the street corner anymore. Um, they're real people, you know, and, and, and with this, with mental illness, you can't see it. That's the really, the real troubling thing. You know, it's, it's, you can look at somebody that, you know, sitting next to you looks completely normal, and they may be having a complete breakdown inside, you know, or have some disorder that they cannot manage life. And, and they might not know that they have it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, It takes years of acceptance, diagnosis, um, Mm -hmm. troubles in society before you actually can, you know, at times where you can really identify that you have something going on. Some people might just think you're odd.
3: Yeah. You know, simple as that. And, you know, even those uh, suffering from alcoholism or drugs, I mean, that's perfectly normal. It's normal to drink after every shift. I watch Chicago PD. I I see what they do. (laughs) It's normal. Yeah. It's not me. Yeah. It's part of the culture, too, right? Yeah. Um, which is which is which needs to change? Absolutely, it really does. And the military culture and law enforcement culture needs to change, right? Yep. You can't make that part of the culture. Introduce it to all your people, and then when somebody does wrong, you know, you want to banish them. It's like, well, you you taught me that. Yeah. You yo, know, not you, John, but <laughs> well, well, a little you bit. Know. But but yo, know, you taught me that. So yeah, you know, I hope the culture changes. I'm not saying everyone just be sober, but. Listen, man, it's, you got to stay healthy. It's a big deal, yes. and that's yeah. you know we always bring up uh, mindfulness and peer support, which is a lot of what we talked about today. Be, you got to be mindful and realize, hey, this is this is not healthy for me. This is too much for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. So I need to maybe take a step back, right? I'm uh, yeah. Causing too much damage to myself and my family. And same thing, I I need to go talk to somebody. Whether it be maybe not a clinician at first. No. But let me talk to my buddy, the uh, peer support member. And then hopefully I go get the help for a, for a clinician. I'm using me as an example, people. Not I'm just you. Know, you understand where I'm going with this, Chris? <laughs> look like you had a question. No question.
2: I don't have a question.
3: All right, uh, John. We uh, something else I want to ask you. So you, you're doing you're doing the addiction now, and you, we already talked about the veterans, and, and that's a, that is a common occurrence. And what, what's what's in the future for you?
0: Well, for me, I'm. I'm gonna buy a boat and go scuba diving. (laughs) Uh, uh,
3: Tomorrow, I mean. (laughs) Yeah, tomorrow. You
0: know, sometime really soon. Uh, No, right now I'm working in the addictions. I'm uh, happy with what I'm doing. I start teaching at Elms College next year, next uh, week, next year. Um, I've been doing that for about seven years. What college? Elms College. Elms College, everybody. That's an easy A. Yep, definitely an easy A. Um, Take-home tests. You can do it online. You can do anything you want with it. Just bring it back to me, and I'll grade it. And what (laughs) course are you teaching there? Uh, This year, I'm teaching advanced social work practice in the community. I generally teach policies and and procedures of social work. Chris, Um, is that way
3: beyond our skill level? Definitely Uh, uh,
0: That's that's
3: way beyond our skill level.
2: Yeah. I mean, maybe not for you, but...
3: Well, at least we don't cuss on the radio, though. This is
2: true. I'm surprised. Scott yeah, hasn't yeah. sent the text yet.
3: Yeah, you, Scott must have no reception wherever he is because he would tell us we're all fired.
2: Either that, his ears just aren't working from the uh, quacking on the duck boats in Boston today.
3: Huh. Um, John, like you said, man, I've, cause that, right now I think we're done with the mental health talk. But uh, and, yeah. and By the way, your interview was awesome, man. But now I want to talk about you were one of my mentors when we started the military, right? I joined in 98. I think I met you in uh, 2001 when I got back from Bosnia. Yeah, And uh, you were my team leader. And, uh, do I learned a lot from you, man. And, and Thanks, you've, Mike. And, you, and you've, uh, you've, you've definitely come a long way, like I already said. I said it before the show starts, and it's pretty amazing. And like I said, man, it's the, the fact of knowing you back then, what, 20, <laughs>
2: man, 21 <laughs> 20 years
0: ago.
3: 21, yeah.
2: Time flies when you're having fun. mean, <laughs> <laughs>
3: But, you know, but hey, we're, but we're still young though, John. Yeah, damn right. You know, but, but just to see the, the, the difference, man, and I can only imagine, like, your background is, is so ideal for, for your job.
0: Yeah, I was lucky to find, like, this niche. I, uh, you know, when I fell into social work, it, you know, it's one of those fluffy jobs that we don't yeah. really think about it, you know, and it, it just it
3: doesn't I, sound like a fluffy job. No,
0: but that's what I made it, you know, and other yeah. people are making it into that nowadays, too. Because we're, we, we're starting to see what social workers can really do and how many spots they can fill in our communities.
3: You had, um, well, now that we brought this up again, we had a, a, a texter. We did, and, uh, and and they had a question that you, I know you already addressed, but this person came, I came think a little it was late.
2: late, yeah, a little late to the you might uh, answer game. Answer it again, and you yeah.
3: kind of just <laughs> answered it, but can you answer it. for yeah, They just
2: wanted to know on, you know, how you got started into this. Why did you come out of the military? Uh, being in the police background there and go into the social work aspect?
0: Yeah, well, there were several factors that brought me around to that. Um, really, I got out of the military, and like I said, I didn't know what the hell. I was. Mm-hmm. I got to stop this before I get thrown out. Yep. Uh, I didn't really know what I was going to do, so I knew I could go to college and get the GI Bill and get some Cs. And that's kind of where I landed. And then I kind of found myself in a hard way, kind of drinking a lot, really not doing what I should have been doing. And I looked around and found that other veterans needed help too. So we banded together, created an organization. And and that type of service and helping others is really what launched me into social work. Um, I actually got a degree in criminal justice right after we got home. <laughs> so I was still headed in that direction um, until this this, Great opportunity and working with veterans um, coming home to college that came up, and I just grabbed a hold of it and away we went. Awesome, thank you. Yeah.
3: So that explains that. That 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 is man. That you have a you have a great story. Thanks, thanks, man. And, and um, so now you now you're doing the addiction. You, you you've come so far. You got your degrees, man. That that's awesome stuff. I I appreciate you being here. Again, you and I are going to talk a lot more after, even though you have a, a two and a half hour drive home. So yeah, I won't hold yeah. you up too long. But, uh, but I do appreciate you being here. Now, we got some events, some Hidden Battles events that we're going to talk about, right? Just to kind of bring away to. Yeah,
2: I, I mean, um, Saturday, September 23rd is our 7th annual Cornhole Tournament and Family Day. Pitch for prevention of PTSD and suicide. And then Friday, October 13th is our uh, golf tournament. So definitely check out those. Uh, all of our events are listed at HiddenBattlesFoundation.org. Just click the events tab up at the top. Uh, we're always looking for other partners and sponsors. Next week on the show, uh, we have Frost Call, um, which is a Game. gaming uh, group uh, that was founded by veterans uh, back in 2019. It's the top gaming charity. Uh, Frost stands for Fast Response on Short Transmission uh, call. It's a system designed in the U.S. Marine Corps Reserves to facilitate rapid response and communication amongst service members uh, during emergencies and prior to drill dates. So we have a group of them coming on next week to uh, discuss their mission and um, see what we can
3: do to partner up there. So Frost, that, that's kind of similar to Hellfish Haven? Yes. Right? That gaming, And it seems like gaming is becoming a little more... Again, this show's not long enough. Um, gaming seems to become a little more popular, right? Especially for, you know, kind of therapeutic.
0: Oh, yeah. We had uh, one of my classmates in the program, he developed a virtual reality uh, therapeutic program for um, in, vit- in vitro, excuse me, that's the one one? in-life therapy. Um, so it puts people into situations where they have to, you know, really work with that mental illness.
3: See, that, that, that's, but when you're gaming, it's like, uh, it's kind of, that's like when you're in the flow, right? Because yeah. you, you, you're totally tuned into this, and it's just and that's why people like it cuz we're in the flow like that man that's when the dopamine kind of hits and yep. and that's why that's why people like doing it it's it's a, it's a break from reality it's 857 we just got I was going to say
0: topics. we're going to get played off so any last parting words yeah no, thanks guys i really appreciate this great great time mike thanks dude like you have added so much to my life um honestly the uh, first time i met you and in sense like when I think of Mike Peterson I think of a moral compass oh wow and that's I mean that's high praise but I mean it man I appreciate it thank brother you, thank you Mike thank you John for being here Chris you can
2: reach out to hiddenbattlesfoundation.org or email info at hiddenbattlesfoundation.org and if you have any other further questions for John we can get them you in contact with him and uh, we will see you all next week see you all next week